Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited today because I get to talk to a former student of mine, Kaylee O'Hara. And Tati's here, too. She gets to talk to her, too. But I got to, um, oh, Kaylee, how many different classes were you in with me? Uh, a lot. At least two that I can think of. Right. Oh, no. I think it was three or four. Yeah. And then you were also, I also taught you sewing and yeah. other things as well. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We did finance and TJYC, um, Key of Liberty, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot, but that mm -hmm. was, <laughs> it was so much fun. Well, yes. Kaylee, tell us a little bit about where you are right now. What are you doing right now? Oh man, I'm trying to get my life on track again. <laughs> uh, right now we're back in Idaho. We're living in Idaho and we are so happy here. Uh, I have my son, he is almost seven. And then I have my little girl and she is two years old. Um, and then my husband and we own our own locksmithing business. And then this year I just started uh, teaching horseback riding lessons again. It's been a few years since I've done that. So I've started doing that again and training horses. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. One of the things Kaylee did for me is he, uh, she taught my uh, youngest son how to ride horses. And so this is something that she has that's what she's getting back to i i just love the fact that you are so entrepreneurial um i just i just love that uh i figure i feel like that's like at least a master's level in an education because there's so much that you have to learn and you learn it on your own um well that kind of brings me back to well i really want to go back to your cowgirl days back when you were teaching that but even um let's go even farther back okay to um tjyc now known as quest um what was your favorite part of that you know there was a lot that was a super busy time in my life i was doing quest I was doing college, trying to graduate, and I was had just started my horse business. Uh, so I was teaching students. So I was so busy. Uh, but I loved the stability of Quest and that I had something to come back to and a fantastic group to, you know, have thought-provoking discussions with. You know, we read our books. We did our papers. It was great. Now, when did you do the the rodeo stuff? Wasn't that around that time too? Yeah, <laughs> I signed on for a lot. <laughs> I, that year was craziness. I uh, I started TJYC, and then 
they decided to put on a rodeo queen competition. It had been, it hadn't been done for years, years and years since I first started writing. Um, eight years old, I wanted to do it and they canceled it after that year. And then years down the road, I'm in quest now and I'm trying to graduate from high school and I find out, Hey, they're putting on the rodeo queen contest. And I was like, this is a dream. I totally want to do this. So I signed up for that too. <laughs> I just dove into it and it was hard. It was all of it. Juggling all of it was so hard, but every step of the way I had support from all my mentors, um, from my amazing horseback trainer, Linda Eskinel. Oh my gosh. She helped me, and I just had this huge community that supported me every single step of the way. Even they caught me when I was like, what the heck do I do now? You know, it just, they caught me every single step. How old were you when you were doing all that? I was 16, going to turn 17. Yeah. That's in, that's so impressive. Extremely impressive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So you talked about like community and how they supported you. How do you feel like the you, the community shaped, like how has having that community in your youth shaped you as you've moved into young adulthood? Uh, you know, it's taught me to continue seeking for that community that supports me. For a little while, I lost that sense of, you know, what held me together. And now again, I'm realizing, you know, the people I need to be around are around me. And so I've just learned to search for that community and build on it. And it's given me the confidence as a kid, now as an adult, to be able to do that and just trust that the community will come. They'll come to me. So. I really love that. Cause like I, I recently reread the hiding place and, um, I always thought, I read it when I was youth and I was like, it, to me, when I was youth, it was always about like Corey's surviving the Holocaust and stuff, you know, yeah. but then as I read it as a parent with children and a young, a young parent, I was like, this isn't about the Holocaust. I mean, yes, that's part of the story, but the big part of the story is the community that the 10 booms had built, had built. And I was talking to my sister, it was like, it was right during the pandemic when it was first kind of really unraveling and things like that. And she was just like really scared. And I was like, the the way to get through crisis and the way to get through difficulty is to reach out to those around you and build a community, like make yourself available to build a community. And I think that's, that's so fascinating is that it's a crucial part of healthiness as an adult but yet we don't teach that to our kids, right? And like, well, how do you teach that to your children? Unless you model it and you do it, right? Like, you can't really like, you know, you look about Corey and the way that Corey's mom, when she had her stroke and she's like trying to communicate with the her with Corey, like it's so-and-so's birthday, you know? Like you need to go find so-and-so and give them a birthday present or a cake or something. And like her, the mom modeled that this is how you survive. This is what health and, and wealth looks like. It looks like people in your lives with community. And I think it was just so cool how what you said was like, even though I was doing everything, <laughs> I was so busy and I was so all over the place, I had support from my community, which I think in turn made it so that you could, it was possible for you to do everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
uh, there was this one point when I was running for Rodeo Queen and, you know, starting a business, which Heidi helped me out with because <laughs> I was in her finance class, too. And I I had signed up. I had paid the entry fee. I was getting sponsors. I hated getting sponsors because I don't like selling myself. Right. I don't want I don't want people to have to give me money. <laughs> But it did. It happened. It was hard. And then one of the most important things, my horse went lame. She, I couldn't ride her. And I was like, oh my gosh, this competition is a month away. And I need to have a pattern down. I need to be practicing and I'm supposed to have this thing memorized. So I was like, it's okay. I've got a backup horse. My trainer said, use my horse. And I was like, okay, that guy was lame too. His foot was hurt. We didn't know what was wrong. We had vets look at him. Uh, and I was like, crap, I have no idea what I'm going to do. This competition's coming and I've signed up. And another one of my mentors that I met through Linda and her name is Lynette Espinoza. She's amazing. And she's still around to this day. And I still talk to her for her advice. She was like, oh, I know someone who probably has a horse for you. And all these people from the community were offering their horses. And I found one and he was the coolest horse I've ever ridden. And this amazing woman, Georgia, let me use her horse. And we kicked butt in the competition together. Like, but it was because the community came together and helped me. And they were like, yes, use my horse. You've got this. And even though it's a competition, everyone was supporting each other. Uh, we had some other ladies dressed like everyone competing. They dressed all of us in the fancy clothes. It was amazing. I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so cool. How, and you won. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I was a little surprised because <laughs> in areas I should have done really well, like, uh, there's multiple parts there's interview in some of them. They do modeling. We didn't do modeling in this one. There's the horsemanship, which is the one I did really well in and was my favorite. And then there's a speech and I should have done better in speech because I had just taken a speech and debate class, <laughs> but I, I got in my own head and I forgot half my speech. <laughs> But, you know, I did it. I had fun and everyone was there to support each other. And it was great. I'm friends with a lot of those people still. Did you take Shakespeare? Did Shakespeare improv help you maybe improv your speech? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I totally, <laughs> I totally dropped it. I had, it had to be at least three minutes. And I was like, easy, right? I've given 10 minute speeches before. That's easy. Uh <laughs> I forgot it and I just stood there for a minute and I was like, it's okay to take a breath, right? Took a breath and delivered the rest of the speech. It would turned out to only be like a minute and a half. So I was short, but I did it. It sounded good. <laughs> you were articulate because of your Shakespeare training. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why I could remember most of the speech, right? Because soliloquies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a favorite project looking back, like something that you're just like, this was just a lot of fun or was really inspiring? Favorite class from 
Mm, I loved all of them. Probably one of my favorites was uh, Shakespeare and classical acting. But that's because I got to watch like uh, the big kids, right? My brother and Heidi's older kids go through it before me. And that was just everyone working together to make those plays come together at the last minute, even though it's like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> just watching it t come together was so cool. I loved doing that. Yeah, I, I've been telling Tati. Tati has a newer community. and the kids that she has have never seen, you know, they don't have those older siblings that have completed it. I mean, you've done it once now, right? Yeah, just once. And so I told her it's going to get easier because the little kids are going to go, yeah, we've seen our, our older brothers and sisters do this. So we know it can be done, but it's really hard the first couple of years. So how do you feel like these, the projects helped you with like your career choice of being like an entrepreneur? Like, do you feel it? Like, how do you think those, they have assisted you in, in that path? Uh, you know, so I grew up in a home of entrepreneurs. Like my dad runs, ran for a long time, his own business. Um, so for me, it was just normal. And then becoming a part of, uh, genius that was what our school was called at the time uh that just fostered it even more and encouraged it and was like yeah if you want to do that do it go for it figure it out um one of the classes i took with heidi was a financing one and she was like find a need find something you love and go for it do it there's gonna it'll work itself out you know and so I think it was just, again, that community, that was just a big thing. It, they supported it. It didn't matter what crazy idea I had. <laughs> I just went for it because I had the faith it would work out. <laughs> Have you uh, read much of Little Bridges? I don't know if you've uh, Ralph oh Moody. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking about that book. Yes. <laughs> Have you, have you read the one that's called Shaking the Nickel Tree? Uh -uh. I think I just read the first one. Okay. He has like a, t a bunch of other books that he keeps going, but you know, at the end of Little Bridges, spoiler alert, his dad dies, right? Yeah. Which is so, so sad. So then yeah. the next book after that is um, about how he, his mom, you know, growing up with all these kids needed to find a way to provide for the family. And then, you know, Ralph needed to find a way to support her. And it's just so interesting to watch how, because his mom believed in him, and supported him he came up with all these crazy ways to make money like he got like one of my favorite ones is when he decides he's like there's some rail ties at the bottom of this like ravine almost in a river and he he knows if he can get those rail ties out he can sell them for a pretty penny so he's like trying to figure out how to get all these little kids to help him get the rail ties out and it's just like super like i feel like you have to have a level of belief and support and then freedom to really thrive in that entrepreneurial like mindset, you know, because if there's fear, like if there's this concept, like, oh, you're never going to be enough or, or you, this is this too scary, or this is a bad idea, you know, then, then I don't think you'll make the right calculated risks because you're too frozen, right? Like yeah. you have to have some of that like fear and uh, like fearlessness to do something that's out of the box hasn't been proven and like you know and is adventurous and so I think 
what about specifically do you feel like in your family's home led you to believe like this was like a not only you wrote you were raised with entrepreneurs but like that the the risk was okay to go through does that make sense because that's what most people don't do on businesses because the risk is too high so what helped you like mitigate that risk uh you know i it's interesting because i think of my husband's family too we come from different we were raised in different ways right we had the same church community but um i was homeschooled and he went to public school and when we first got married i was like hey have you ever thought about being an entrepreneur like because my dad will totally hire you and down the road like you could be running a business and he was like no never never which is so funny now and i was like why not you know like why wouldn't you want to be your own boss uh and you know it just i it was just always there and that belief that i was going to be caught by the universe as long as i was taking steps like that that's such a huge belief of mine if i just take those steps into the darkness the universe or god you know whatever you want to say your higher power is you're going to be caught by it 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 just works out i yeah. was talking to my niece today actually on the way home um and i said you know, I think it's the biggest key to successful parenting. And she's like, oh, yeah, what is it? I'm like, you have to just believe. Believe that your kid's going to make it, even if it doesn't look like they're going to make it. <laughs> even like, I, I'm not perfect. This like, I'm never going to say that I am perfect at believing. <laughs> but like, when things fall apart, if you just make the choice, like, no, I'm just going to believe, I'm just going to believe. Like, and it's not naive belief because it's belief in not just yourself. It's like you said, it's belief that the higher power is going to catch me, even if it's messy or even if it doesn't look exactly how I wanted it to, the belief is going to keep me going forward. And, and I, I, I told her, I was like, you know, the reason why I think, you know, cause we were talking about how my mom raised all, all of me and my siblings versus like how we observe other people's homes and how they were raised. And she's like, yeah, like what made it so that all of you feel so safe and so strong and so connected and so like, like you have good communication, all these things. And I was like, I think it came down to like my mom flat out just literally 100% believed in each one of us, like fully 100% believed in us, no matter what choices we were making, she believed in us and still does. And she still does, you know, like, even though we don't really do the best choices sometimes, like she just still believes in us. So I love that you point that out, like belief is so crucial to being successful. Heidi, I interrupt you. Were you going to say something? It's gone now. <laughs> no, it's... Well, let's get back to the Lemmy courses and stuff. Um, and what was one classic... I think I might know the answer to this because we've already talked about too the hiding place in little bridges. But what was one classic that made a huge impact on your life? Oh man. Okay, so one of the ones, and I feel like I don't remember a lot of them, but there, there are like three of them that I still remember that made an impact. Um, 
One of them was The Phantom Tollbooth. I really love that book. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of weird, but I really love it and I should reread it. But that was a big one for me. Just, I mean, that wild adventure. I love that adventure. I read that as an adult and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not for kids. This is for adults. I mean, the kids <laughs> loved it, but I'm like, I got so much more out of it as an adult. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I can probably read that one again. Um, another one, which you guys talked about in a, one of your earlier podcasts with Rama was, uh, oh, what is it? The, the changing of the times or? Understanding the, the times. That one. <laughs> I did like that one. <laughs> really yes I did I loved the just how thought-provoking it was and the big one that stood out to me was uh like Islamic views because you know as a kid you grow up and you're kind of stuck in whatever beliefs it makes you think outside of those beliefs and I was like this isn't this is crazy like this is mind-blowing to me these different world views but I love it. It made me understand people so much more. Yeah, I'm in the middle of my youngest is uh, taking is in quest three right now, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, you saw Tommy grow up. So anyway, oh, yeah. we're doing we're doing that right now. I'm reading it. I'm co or co-mentoring that class. And so I'm reading it again and writing my own personal manifesto, the whole thing. And oh, my gosh, it's interesting book. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using, because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. So we have the Phantom Tollbooth and Understanding the Times. Was there another one? There is. And this one wasn't on any of the classes that we took. It was just one that I had chosen to read and then do a book report on um, when we were going through like values of a, what is, of a leader. Is that what it is in TJYC? Um, and that one was Siddhartha, which is about the Buddha. It is incredible. And that one I still think about. I've read it a couple times and it's short. Seriously, it's like maybe 80 pages long. It's so short. But in it, uh, Siddhartha goes through life experiencing as much of the world as possible. You know, he spends his time meditating in the woods, decides, you know, that's not for me. He goes and becomes like a king and he has all the women he could want and all the food and everything and just indulges that carnal side. And he's like, no, this isn't where my happiness is after a few years. He has a family. Um, and then finally, years and years before all of that, he met just a, like a river man, like a fairy guy who took you across the river. And he asked that guy, like, why would you want to live like this? And he's like, I don't know, this is where I find my peace. And years down the road, he comes back to that. And that's what he, after all his experiences, that's where he found his peace. Um, and I think about that in my life, I feel, and I feel that's so important. You have to experience all these different things to find your peace and to be able to educate your own children. You know, you have to experience the hard things in life. You have to experience the gluttony of things. 
just so you can teach them. Well, I remember that book. I, that was the first time I was introduced to Siddhartha, to all of this, because and reading your your paper and all of that. So I I, I remember that. That was so cool. Well, you didn't mention the one book I thought you would. Which one Virginian. was it? Oh, I forgot about that one. You know, <laughs> I have it on my bookshelf. I just don't think of it like, <laughs> I just love that one so much. I was like, oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> no, well, okay. So do you remember what you said about the Virginian? Oh, yeah. I said I wanted to marry him. <laughs> yeah. I did that. I was so in love and I totally did. I married a cowboy. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So well, I, I read the book probably. Yeah. I think it was like 1920 when I read that book. Yeah. You definitely fall in love with the Virginian. He's like really, uh, but then I read it like uh, as I'm older and um, I don't know. It was very interesting to like read it two different times. So the first time I was like all cut up in the love story, like, oh, I love it. And then the second time I read it, I was like, whoa, this is like really interesting kind of discussion about what is the boundary of like women and men's roles. And, you know, he has to go off and do something that she's so opposed to. And it really was really because I was married by that time. And it's it's actually really helpful for like my marriage. Because <laughs> like I'm a very strong willed person. Um, but like it made me really realize that there are things that I need to let my husband do, even if I maybe disagree with him and how he does them, because there is an element of I don't know maybe I'm wrong here and we can just have a discussion about this but I think there's an element of darkness that and and you can correct me if you think differently but that is really hard for women who are in the phase of like young mothers or you know in the, about to be young mothers that that really tender phase of life that I think they should be protected from into some element and because that's why I basically you know what that's what the Virginian does like he's like no this guy has to like this ha this justice has to be taken care of otherwise we won't be safe he's threatened to kill me he's threatened to destroy everything so whether you think it's right or not I'm going to eliminate this this evil right and then she's like oh I can't love him anymore because he's like gone and done something that is like against character or whatever but I think like there's there comes a point where there is this darkness that has to be dealt with and however it's dealt with I feel like women we we generally we would rather just like love everybody till it goes away <laughs> you know what I mean like but like the Virginians like no this isn't gonna go away with just me just being loving and kind to this guy and so I just I don't know what, what do you guys think about that are you gals sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I yeah I think that's a good point. And I like that you brought up it was with a young mother, especially. Because um, now, like further into a marriage, I've been married for eight years now. Now, you know, if, if my husband has to go do something hard like that, you know, I'm not going to question him on it. I'm like, take care of it. 
but as as a newlywed yeah I would have been like I don't what the heck like I how can you do that you know how do you justify that but it comes with age and time that you just learn you have to do what you have to do sometimes (laughs) it's not pretty (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you know and and I think for me as a young as a young married that book really helped me realize like look if I really want to be married to a man then I really need to let him be a man you know what I mean like like sometimes I feel like in today's culture there's that element that we disagree with that ruggedness of of you know men and then we we want them to stop doing it (laughs) because we disagree with it but there's a reason for it the reason exists and a reason for it um to to really help you know create a safe home and a safe environment and and so like i I just think it's it's a really good lesson for me to read as like a young married person to realize like if i want my my husband to be the virginian have to let him be the virginian in all aspects of what that means and step back and not trample all over him because I think I'm right you know and that was a good eye-opening book for me (laughs) that's the thing I like about classics though it's like you read them one time and you're like oh this is so cool and then you read them another time you're like oh my goodness gracious like did not get that (laughs) didn't get it at all now I got a lot more out of it so I love that you also talked about the Phantom Tollbooth being a book that like is better read as an adult and I'm like oh my gosh it's totally true I just read it to my kids last year and I was like this is like insane how much it applies to today (laughs) all the fighting between the worlds and you're like why are these people so stupid it's like oh wait we're still so stupid (laughs) that much has changed that's for sure so so you've Kaylee go ahead go ahead what I know we did lots of simulations. <laughs> Your mom was like the queen of simulations in uh, um, in Quest TJYC. I loved work, um, being a co-mentor with her. What was your favorite simulation? It doesn't have to just be from Quest or anything. What was your absolute favorite one? Okay, so the one that sticks out in my mind, not necessarily that it was my favorite, but it was funny. It made me laugh. We were, (laughs) you guys told us to draw pictures of flowers (laughs) and it had to be exactly the way that my mom had drawn this flower. And so we were drawing it and halfway through my drawing, my mom would just like pick up my paper and crumple it and throw it. (laughs) But it was really powerful. And she used me as the guinea pig, Uh, but it was really powerful because it was, People want you to fit into this box. They want you to be this right here. And that's not what we're trying to get you to do. We don't want you to copy our flower. We want you to be who you're going to be. And so that was one of the ones that always I'm reminded of and I always laugh about. (laughs) Oh, that one was awesome. That was. I remember one that your mom did. And I know she did it for your girls group too at church she it had to do with like skateboards and we were throwing paper at people anyway I mean like I said she was like the queen of simulations and I think it was you had 
oh, I don't remember all of it, but I think it was, you know, you were trying to protect something and you were on your journey. The journey was on the skateboard. Do you remember more about that? Yes. I think we had a spoonful of M&Ms. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we were supposed to protect it. And like, I think we were relay racing. And okay. so you had to get to the other end and fill your cup with these M&Ms, but it was really hard, like on a plastic spoon. And people were just lobbing things at you the entire time. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I think there were several things, but one of them was like protecting, I don't know, was it about knowledge? Like protecting your knowledge or, you know, the things that you learn. Oh, man. Yeah. probably, And maybe your mission, your purpose, your dreams. Yeah. I think we talked about all of that. Yeah. Yeah, but that was just a really fun. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to get on the skateboard. All I had to do was lob things at people. So that made it a little bit more fun, I guess. <laughs> but it seemed like it was impact impactful to all the kids as well. And they, you know, I know I remembered it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Simulations are always super fun. But it's frustrating having to figure it out and like work with everyone. I, we did one, and I think you did this one, Heidi, where you gave us candies and we had to trade with each other. But you gave people certain ones that they wanted. Like, so, oh, we had to, oh, man. No, we had to sell the candy bar. And so we had M&Ms and another group had Snickers. And we were trying to sell this big name brand, our candy, to be sponsored by them. And we did really bad about it. <laughs> We, we were we failed that simulation because <laughs> I think Snickers won and we were on team M&Ms <laughs> but it was it got us to think outside the box like we were trying to sell M&Ms as an edgy brand and we didn't <laughs> oh funny funny so you've talked a little bit about some of the mentors that you've had in the past. And one of the, the elements of leadership education is mentors. So how do you feel like your mentors prepared you to like be successful in life? Oh, man. Uh, I think a lot of it was they provided me the support that I needed, but also I'm someone who looks for a lot of validation. Um, and I think a lot of my mentors saw that and instead of giving me extra validation, they actually took a step back. Um, my horse mentor that I had, she, when I was doing all the rodeo queen stuff and I was like, what am I going to do instead of diving in and being like, well, let's figure this out. She said, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I just had to sink or swim. And I went for it. And it was the same thing with all of my teachers um, at TJYC and I guess Quest. It was kind of like, figure it out. This is your assignment and you can do this. Like, we know you can do this. We've given this to you and we've seen you accomplish things and get it done. And so I did. I figured out how to swim, but it was hard. That's crazy because like intuitively you're like they gave you the exact opposite of what you were asking for. So like they had to have an I guess mentor eyes. <laughs> I don't know what to call that. Like, you know, like 
you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like Gandalf really doesn't help Frodo that much, <laughs> like as much as you want him to. Besides saying, you need to take this to the, you know, he's like they pretty it, soon into the books he disappears. So it's like, you know, it's like there's that element of like inspire you and then help you like figure out what you're doing but then just like okay do it you know like i remember like um i'm not a very good seamstress i'm never gonna say i'm like a good seamstress but i can sew anything i want to if i want to but i remember it, my mom i came i was teaching sort of freedom and i was i wanted a civil war uniform and so i came to my mom and i said I want to make myself a Civil War uniform and how do I do it? And she's like, drew a shape on a piece of paper. And then she's like, this is what shape you need to cut out. And I was like, but what's the heck? Like what, this is a square triangle thing. Like <laughs> what the heck? Like what? She's like, I'll tell you what, this measurement's this part of your body and this measurement's this part of the body and this measurement's this part of the body. And don't talk to me again because I'm doing stuff with your brothers. Like, you know, I was just like, oh, I'm going to make a freaking uniform with just this little sketch of like whatever you freaking gave me. Like, I was so, so, so mad at her. Like so mad at her because I was like, I'm trying to get this done and I'm not, and you don't care about me and all these things. But then like looking back though, like literally... I can look at any pattern and be like, okay, this is the shape. This is dimensions. This is what it's trying to get you to do. So throw the pattern out the window and, or, I mean, I'll use the pattern, but I also can adapt patterns or do things and make something that looks decent. Now I wouldn't ever say I'm like costume quality. Great. But like anything I want to do, you know, and I don't know if I would have been able to do that if my mom had been sitting over my shoulder the whole time. Granted, I was, I was like 15 or 16 at the time. So I was like older, but still, like, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> you know, like, the mentor did not give me what I wanted. And I think it's also a testament to to your own character, though, because, like, each, for every person that, you know, is a success story, there's, you know, people who the mentor says, go do it, and then they quit. You know what I mean? They don't do it, right? So there is a testament to your your character and your perseverance to be like, okay, well, I'm going to be a person of action and faith and do this and figure it out. And I'm sure that if you had really big questions that she, she was probably there to help you with those big questions, but not necessarily telling you what to do. So I love that story. That's, that's hilarious, but so insightful at the same time, <laughs> but also mean, like, that's one thing I do things like mentors can be mean. <laughs> they, they seem to be mean from your viewpoint, but they love you, Tati. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you're a mom you kind of understand where your where your mom was coming from uh she was yeah she's just way way too many things on her plate <laughs> it yeah. didn't come from any like genius oh yeah i'm gonna make tati learn how to sew more just like i don't have time so I'll figure it out <laughs> well well and also your mom was or is still probably a um an amazing seamstress i mean she was a costume designer for years yeah, so. she doesn't do a lot these days because she's so busy with other stuff, but she has a studio or a costume sewing room. Gets used quite a lot by everyone else. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. Well, we're kind of running out of time. One of the things we really like to um, ask is our graduates is the, po the, the name of the podcast is Lemmy Works. 
So in your opinion, do you feel like this type of education worked for you in life? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Uh, it has done so many things for me that I didn't realize until, you know, I started preparing for this, uh, for our discussion. I started looking back and going through interviews and like kind of looking over some of the things I had done when I was doing those different projects. And I was like, wow, this it's affected the way I teach my students. I teach my kids. I do what my mentors did to me. And I take a step back when my kids are really frustrated at that horse. I step back. I let them do it. I, uh, I still have just that belief that, you know, things are going to work out for my kids, for our business. And uh, I've been able to create and gather a community like I had when I was a kid. And I still have, I still look for mentors and I still do research and I love learning still. And I, I just chase all the things I love because that's what I was taught. I was taught to research and I was taught to stick with the things I love and find people who are going to support me. And, you know, I get excited about these topics about horses and all these things that I want to do. And people are like, yeah, heck yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it creates an effect, the ripple effect, right? It, it makes other people want to do that and look for their passions and find their genius. Oh, I love that. I remember when you were Tommy's mentor, teaching him how to um, ride a horse and how there was one time, do you remember the time he fell off? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It was so hard. <laughs> it was. It, so was. Hard. it was, but you made him get back on. Oh yeah. And you helped him get back on. I mean, he was only like seven years old, but yeah, he was little, but he was, you should see him now. He's huge. I know. <laughs> I mean, tall, tall, he's skinny little guy, you know, guy, but he's, he's, he's tall. And, uh, but anyway, but you got, you were such a good mentor, even when you were so little and <laughs> I'm going to get mushy here, but I'm sure, I'm sure that all of those kids that you're mentoring now are just being so blessed because I know you've grown over the years and are an even be better mentor now. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you are able to share your genius with people and that passion you have and that love you have for um, horses and, um, and share it with your community. So, oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. And you know that I think of that moment all, often when Tommy came off that horse and now now I I my lesson seriously yesterday the horse bucked and I about died. <laughs> she didn't come off, she stayed on, but it, it even that moment, I was able to learn from that moment. It's going to be okay. You know, I've fallen off. They're going to be okay. You just trust the process. And I've been prepared for this. I had amazing mentors that helped me learn. So, you know, it's hard, but you keep going. <laughs> you do. You do. Well, Kaylee, I am so glad that you could come on here today with us and uh, share 
what you're doing now and um, and your experience with the LEMI courses and the curriculum or continuum is the correct term and um, and how you're using your leadership education today. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was super fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every LEMI training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things. <laughs>